Welcome to Dragon Time. Yeah! Hey! I am Greg Tito. This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. We also have Miss Shelley Mazanova. Yeah! Woo! So right? excited to be here. It is like we are hitting the ground running here in 2022. Oh, we are crushing 2022. Into the dust. Yes, just grinding it up like little tiny flakes of salt. Sand in through the hourglass. So are the days of our lives. Wow. (laughs) Expect that reference to come from you, Greg Tito. I know, right? We also had a, I I think it might have been before we started recording, uh, but we had a dynasty reference uh, when we were talking to our guest, a Jordan Lambert an amazing dungeon master on a show called Blackness and Dragons on the Q Times channel. She also appears as a player in uh, Say a Prayer for California. Tons of various one-shots as well as just being an awesome storyteller in her own right. So much fun stuff. I I did a little uh, just... Just getting to know our guest, as I want to do before these interviews, and I found so much cool stuff about her, and she just has lots of of projects and Instagram channels, and just has uh, just a very creative, wonderful person. So that's a good one. You'll Can't like wait it. for you all to hear about all those yeah. fun projects, including traveling through the Pacific Northwest. Good stuff In there. In search of vampires and adventure. <laughs> So Bad look out for that. Sure. We also have an amazing uh, uh, segment of how to DM that is getting yeah. better and better. Shelly, you are closer and closer to just being a professional DM at this point. I uh, Yes, I, I will be interviewing myself on these segments eventually <laughs> because all of the advice will just be coming from me. Um, this, this week's guest is Karen Twelves, who is an author and instructor, instructor um, of Improv for Gamers. It's a Ooh. book that she has written, Improv for Gamers. Um, she is an, an improv artist herself and a, a teacher, but also a gamer. And I know we've touched on improv for Dungeon Masters before in some of these segments. However, I still feel like it's a really daunting subject for a new Dungeon Master. And there's also a lot of tips that you can learn from improv that will Just in help. Life. And it does yeah, and it doesn't necessarily mean like you have to be theatrical and like a performer. It's just taking some of those tips and using them in your game. And I think that Karen's going to have some amazing advice. Yes, and we should go to that segment right now. Ah! Let's do it. Amazing. Welcome to How to DM. Thank you so much for listening. I have a wonderful guest today, Karen Twelves, who is an author and instructor of Improv for Gamers, a book and workshop series that highlight how to apply improvisational skills to your RPG games. Mm -hmm. Karen, I am so delighted to have you here. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Well, I had to because... Improv, I think, is a topic. <laughs> we've we've covered improv before a little bit on mm-hmm. this segment, but I still feel like it's something that is very intimidating for dungeon masters, especially oh, new DMs. Sure. Yeah. And you literally wrote the book on it. I so did. How, 
so how could I not ask you mm-hmm. to be a guest here? So I guess just I'm really curious about the book itself and like how this came to be and just maybe give our listeners an overview of, of what, what's in this book. Yeah. So I, uh, I've i been gaming for a, a very long time since high school, which was a while ago. Uh, and I've also been performing improv for um, over 12 years now. And I think as soon as I started, I was like, oh, this is going to make me an even better gamer. Like these classes are great because I'm learning so many cool, like soft skills. Um, you know, I'm learning how to be an active listener. I'm learning how to make cool characters. I'm learning how to take risks. Like I'm learning how to have fun collaborating with other people telling a story. This is exactly like gaming, you know, except there's an audience. Like gaming is a lot of just improv sitting down. And I, I don't mean improv in the terms of like performing. Right. Um, But having an improv mindset. So I started teaching this workshop series and then um, and then wrote the book kind of based on all the exercises that we teach in the workshops um, that all highlight different skills that kind of help support the improv mindset of being like present and excited and and willing to uh, to have fun, uh, to make mistakes, to take risks and, you know, basically to have a very like yes and attitude. Yeah, I think what I think what you said is really important for dungeon masters is that you're mm-hmm. not trying to make them performers. No, no. You're just it's just the mindset. It's just using the skills of a of an improvisational actor to use in your games. And that's it. Cuz I think yeah. a lot of DMs get that like oh, I'm not an actor. Nope can't do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. And that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. You can take all those learnings from improv and never actually have to act at all. And in fact, that's mostly what we do in the workshops is we don't perform. We do these kind of warm-up exercises, these skill-based exercises. And those are the same things that I would do with a troupe or in a class. Uh, You practice those skills for most of the time. And then and maybe you do some little performance at the end to kind of put it into practice. Mm-hmm. But we just take those same exercises and talk about how they can apply to gaming specific skills. I'm I'm really excited to dig in there. <laughs> I kind yeah. of just need to know. Like you've mentioned a lot of of great skills, I, in particular the active listening. Mm-hmm. So do you have tips, improv tips for that? How to develop that skill? Well. Improv is a muscle that just has to be stretched constantly. And so a lot of exercises, they practice all of this all the time. I think listening is one of those skills that you're constantly practicing it in everything that you do. But there's a lot of exercises about just being collaborative, like making up a character together and you all contribute different facts and you want to make sure that the facts that you add don't contradict previous things. Or you might tell a story, you know, one one sentence or even one word at a time. And again, you have to pay attention to everything that came before because you want to make sure that your addition is in line with what's already there. So the active listening comes also with a lot of like memory of um, you want to add to what's already there and make sure that you're making that better, not kind of just throwing in new stuff. Right. Right. That, not just for the sake of of throwing it in. It's yeah. It makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And I'd say there's a lot of, if we're talking just about like GM specific skills, there's a lot of things that you can do um, through improv, like learning how to 
edit scenes, you know, like when do you cut from one player to another? How do you shift the spotlight to make sure that everybody's feeling like they have not necessarily the exact same minute amount of time, but an equitable amount of the spotlight. So you get the feel for like, when would be a fun time to end um, this scene and jump over to something else and come back. So you practice those skills, like manage it. Uh, So that's a very GM specific skill that we work on. That, yeah, that's, yes. How, well, I mean, how, how do you do that? Well, I guess, I guess I would say I will defer to you if there are exercises that you think like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's an exercise specifically, there's an exercise in there called split screen, which is a great way to get that direct practice. There's some other exercises that we do um, to find what we call the beat. And the beat is like when it feels like the scene should end. That might be a punchline. It might be just like a moment of an, of energy, either, you know, kind of releasing or something's built up. It might be a cl- uh, like a cliffhanger. Uh, it might just also be that like you've run out of ideas. So the scene is over. And so we play exercises where you kind of have scenes and just see if you can feel that out. And then there's an exercise in the book called split screen where you have kind of two scenes going on at the same time. And one director is choosing uh, who's going and the other scene kind of pauses. So while that is like a performance exercise, the focus is on the person in the director's chair. Like their job is to listen for the beat and switch back and forth from one scene to another um, just to pass the spotlight back and forth. And the people on the stage are just having a scene. I never give notes. You know, I don't give acting feedback. Right. So they're just having conversations and they're going to be funny. They're going to be really interesting without having to try. And that's another thing that's really important about improv is you really shouldn't be trying to be funny. Uh, it's going to come naturally. So you just want to focus on like being present and being authentic. Oh, that's, I can see how that's a really solid or really good exercise and really important because I think we've all been in games where it's like probably should have ended 10 minutes ago. It's hard. I've been in games know. that should have ended, you know, an hour and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so is it more of like, like you said, listen for that beat, but is, is it kind of like teaching people to like trust their instincts a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Improv, because it happens in the moment. And, and that's what makes it harder than gaming, because in gaming, you can always pause and think about things. Nobody's timing you. There's no audience who's, you know, three beers in and <laughs> is waiting to be entertained. There's none of that. Uh, so you, you have the opportunity to think a little bit more, but we do try to, through improv, listen a little less to our inner critic who might slow us down. And again, trust not so much our instincts, but trust that like the ideas that we throw out there are going to be supported and picked up and and played with by, you know, the people in our group. So you're kind of trusting that it's like, it's okay if my idea, I don't think my idea is perfect. I know that my friends are excited to hear it. So I'm just going to throw that idea out and we'll see what we can do with it. Right. Yeah. I think you're touching on something that's also really important and that's trust. Yes. Obviously the trust within your improv troupe is really important, but also mm-hmm. like you have to have that trust too at your game table. Yeah. Is there, are, are there any techniques that could be employed at like a session zero that would help build that trust between the players and the, and the DM? 
I think there's a lot of, I mean, again, it's something that is a skill that's kind of a thread through all improv is um, an expect, like setting your expectations, which is a great session zero thing to do anyways, where you talk about like, what's the tone that we want to play? You know, what are topics that uh, we want to see more of? And maybe what are some topics that we want to see less of? Yeah. Um, knowing, of course, that we can always go back and add to that list. And the list is not a definitive rule. If there's nothing that wasn't on the list, that's not a loophole. Like, let's not abuse that. Um, you know, so you kind of focus more on like, what are the things that we want to see? And if we all have that buy-in, you know, then we have trust with each other that we're going to stick to that buy-in. So I think that's um, in a, a very important session zero thing to do of just making sure that we're all on the same page of like, what is the tone that we're going for? What is the genre that we're playing in? Yeah. Okay. That's great. Mm-hmm. So what do you have any other I love the examples that you're giving. I don't want you to like be like page by page in this wonderful oh, no. book, but I'm sure there's there's a lot more in it. But any other exercises that you can share just to give us an idea? I think one of my favorites is just one of the warm-ups and it's very silly. And we talk about it in the, the chapter about status. And status is a very important uh, thing to practice a lot in improv. And it's an important thing to remember in, in gaming too, is that it's okay if your character doesn't win all the time. You can still have really exciting and interesting things happen. So there's a silly little game in it called Animal Secrets that I love because it's just all about being vulnerable, but in a silly way. Um, because it's one of those tips from in improv. It's like, if you're not sure what to do in a scene, Lots of people have different advice of like, what can your character do? And one that I like is you just look your partner straight in the eye and you say, there's something I have to tell you. And then you just divulge a secret and then unpack. Why were you keeping that secret? What, what is the reaction, you know, that your scene partner has? So this is a game about like revealing secrets, not your own fictional, fictional right. but you pretend you all pretend to be a type of animal. Uh, so if we said squirrel, we're all going to kind of huddle around, you know, and lean in and tell secrets that squirrels might have. <laughs> and those can be really squirrel thematic secrets, like very on brand for a squirrel of like, I, you know, I've been hiding acorns away from the rest of my family because I want them only for me. Yeah, It could be something that's just like kind of fun for an anthropomorphic squirrel to say, like, I've been cheating on my taxes for five years. <laughs> and, it, you know, so it doesn't really matter what the secret is. The animal just makes it silly and gives you something to work on. And so, and that's a game where everyone just gets used to kind of admitting these horrible secrets about themselves. And it doesn't really matter you know, when you think about it in gaming, it doesn't really matter what the secret is. What matters is why were you keeping it a secret? Like, why was that important? And what does it mean now that people know? Right. And those are things that build the story and build your character. Oh, that's really cool. I think, you know, a lot of times when people talk about improv in the gaming sense, we think about it as for a dungeon master. But you're yeah. saying like there's there's tactics here for players as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And we really think about that. And I very much pitched it to really be for players uh, first and foremost as for everybody. Um, and that's partially because I play a lot of GM-less games. Um, and so I think that there definitely are skills to be like an improv GM. These are skills that everybody can use. And we also have exercises that are a little bit more for LARPers uh, that is about 
you know, kind of more physically holding your character in your body, about playing with invisible objects. If you're doing a LARP, that's like very low props. Uh, so we include some exercises like that that apply to them as well. But yeah, the book is designed to have a little something for everybody. So you can kind of take what works for you. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. You, so And you do workshops too. We do. Yeah. And that's how it started for many years is I was teaching workshops both at my local game store and kind of whenever I was at a convention, I could see, I would see if I could pitch an event somehow. Yeah. I would imagine that would be a huge draw. Yeah. You have like a different way of teaching a new, totally inexperienced dungeon master versus someone who has more experience. No, I think the only difference is if I was working with people who were more familiar with improv or not. Oh, because okay. I, I think it's always so important to just start with the fundamentals, no matter where you are. I love taking classes, kind of starting over at level one, just to remind myself, like, what are the important things that right. this is all based on? Uh, I love taking classes at all levels. Um, so, so yeah, it's not so much about your experience as a GM or as a gamer. Uh, I've, I've had people in my classes, again, that are a mix of all types of experience and an, and an experience level of experience of improv or not. And so actually what I would say is if I have people in my class that are more experienced in improv, I ask them to kind of leave that at the door because every school, every theater kind of has their own brand. Yeah. You know, they have their own message and some are going to be more high fast paced comedy and some are going to be more like we want to have more dramatic, like kind of long improvised plays. And some are like, we do nothing but musicals. So I do ask people to kind of whatever your style is that you're used to doing, like we can just leave that at the door and try something that might be new. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Do you have advice for dungeon masters who want to encourage more of this with their players at the table more? Just yeah, collaboration or, you know, ask questions and be excited about the answers hmm. and trust that you are creative enough to make it work. And by you, I mean, the whole table are going to you're going to be creative enough to make these ideas work. So the more questions that you ask one, you're going to be surprised by the things that they come up with that you wouldn't have thought of. So great. You don't have to think of those things now. Awesome. And your players are going to be more invested because they're seeing their ideas in the story and they're, you know, really validated when you ask for some details, you know, or you ask for some more kind of facts about a character or a town or an NPC and you're excited about it. That's going to create a lot of buy-in. You know, one of the things when I was trying to DM early on, um, mm -hmm. and that really like turned me off of DMing because I, I I'm back on. A little yeah. but but okay. <laughs> I'm I mean like baby steps, but I was really yeah. scared by this. Is like um there was too I guess there was improv. Like there were yeah. things happening at the table that I didn't expect as the mm -hmm. DM and I did not feel confident. Like you're saying, mm -hmm. you should, you know, basically embrace that when people come up with ideas that aren't yours. Um, I didn't know to do that and it scared the crap out of me. And then I was like, I don't know what to do because you've now added things to the story that I didn't plan on. So can can yeah. improv help a like a dungeon master welcome those ideas and not be scared by that? Yeah. Having an improv mindset, again, is a lot about being very excited to hear other people's ideas and you're going to make your best effort to make it work. So the challenge is making it work. 
uh, being excited is kind of the easy part. And I, I totally hear you, you know, as someone who also likes a lot of control in her life, um, I don't always respond well when plans change. Improv has helped me a lot in just general life skills. And I do have yeah. to kind of turn that on and be like, you know what? I am making the choice to see this as an opportunity uh, to do something different. Um, and, and definitely when I'm running games, you know, I might have some plot points in mind and you just have to be okay with letting it go. You can always write that idea in a journal and bring it back in another game later. Yeah, that's, yeah, very good advice. And you're right. These, this is good life skills as well. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I teach a lot of what's called applied improv, where again, we play those same skill-based exercises, but we talk about how these are useful life skills. You know, yeah. and we talk about how collaboration like this is really important at work or at school. You know, when you're working on group projects, how do you kind of make sure that everybody's involved and feeling validated? So you can take improv and apply it to lots of different things. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And we kind of touched on it with embracing those ideas that aren't that, you know, you didn't think about and involving the players in that. But are mm-hmm. there other ways that improv can help with world building or storytelling? any of that stuff that happens behind the scenes with Dungeon Masters. Yeah. And let's see, I did write notes for this one and now I don't know. All right. Um, Yeah. So there's questions that you can ask yourself that help with world building, which is the one there's um, asking if this is true, then what else is true? So if this, then what? Um, and, and that can help you kind of unpack and discover. So there's a lot about in improv is focusing what's on, what's already there and just building and growing that as opposed to adding on new, more facts that then you have to string together. You can discover a lot and grow a lot if you just ask questions about what's already there. So asking if this is true about a character, if we know that this character hates being late, what else is true? Well, if they hate being late, I don't know, they probably always carry a watch. They always carry a watch. They might have multiple watches. If they have multiple watches, they might have a favorite watch. If they have a favorite watch, they might actually have that watch insured because it was very expensive. If they have that watch insured, it might be in a safety deposit box in the bank that we could break into. Aha, look at that. So you you just kind of keep asking those questions and then that gives you a setup of like, we know how to get this mark now, we go steal his watch. That's so good. Yeah. And it it will matter to the character. And that's very important that things matter to characters. And you just have to make up a reason why it matters and then run with it. Uh, You can also kind of work backwards a little bit, which is ask why. Why is this true? So if we said, um, you know, this this person uh, always likes to be on time. Why is that true? You know, what happened that might've influenced that in the past. Right. You know, what can we learn from that? So if they, if they always like to be on time, why is that true? Cause they don't like disappointing people. Why don't they like disappointing people? And you can work backwards like that to find out things. And you can also do it more, you know, just fact wise without exploring somebody's psyche. You know, you can say there's, you know, there's a castle on the hill. Why is the castle on the hill? Uh, because down in the valley, there's monsters. Why are there monsters in the valley? Uh, a wizard, unfortunately, uh, mixed the two things uh, together that didn't work out. 
Why did the wizard mix those things? They weren't paying attention. Why weren't they paying attention? Somebody had had been interfering with, you know, so you just keep finding more story facts that way. And now you've built out this great situation, again, that kind of happened so organically with looking at what, what was already there. This is so cool. It's also yeah. like a great just tip in general for writers. If you're experiencing like a rut or having writer's block or not sure Absolutely. where the story is going, you you have just like in under a minute came up with like 20 different amazing story hooks. So yeah, it's, so yeah, great. it's a great, it's a, it's a great kind of tip for writing too. Yeah. So I love this. I, that's, I really love, I, I'm not an, an, uh, an improv, um, actor myself um because it's scary to me but I mean you are because you're a gamer you're you're doing it well okay you can look at yes I guess we can look at it that way yeah but I do know I love hearing um you know people who are experienced with improv talking about the ways that it it does relate and I think you have given us so many great tips and tricks Mm -hmm. here and that's really and you've really demystified the whole idea of of improv this isn't like again where you don't have to be an actor nobody's putting you on the spot here it's really just yeah. ways to actually make the scary parts of dming easier by just building those skills absolutely that's really been part of kind of my 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 brand i don't like saying brand but the <laughs> the approach that i take to it is it's yeah. not scary anybody can do it we're just trying to have fun. You know, it's just a game. We're, spo- we're supposed to be having fun. At the end of the day, it is. It's just yeah. a game. You're right. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to share with Dungeon Masters before we set them free to go get your book and learn all the secrets? Um, yeah, I would I, I would kind of come back to one of the first, I think, rules of improv, which is don't don't try to be funny. Don't try to be clever. Uh, you are funny and clever. I'm going to like give affirmations. You are funny. You are clever <laughs> uh, without trying. Those things will come out naturally and they will be so much more funny and so much more clever when they are spontaneous and in the moment. So just like trust that that's going to happen as a byproduct of what you're doing. It's not the goal. Good advice. Mm-hmm. Again, good life advice too. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, thank you so much. I really do feel inspired and I can't wait to get my copy of the book. And for Thanks. everybody else who wants to find out more about the work you do and about your your book and everything else, where can they where can they go? Well, you can go to improvforgamers.com. I have some sad news though. Oh no. Which is that the physical copy, I have sad news, but then I have good news. Okay. The physical copy, this lovely blue book is no longer being printed. You can still buy the PDF through Evil Hat. Perfect. Um, and if you can find it in stores, it's still only 20 bucks. So okay. we are making a, a second edition. Um, it is going through its final rounds of editing right now, and then it's going to go to layout, and we're hoping to launch the Kickstarter for it in just a couple of months. So maybe oh, March or amazing. April of this year. And uh, it'll be through Evil Hat again. And I can assure you, Evil Hat, when they kickstart books, the book is done. The book is <laughs> is ready to go because they like shipping it and giving it to their backers very quickly. Okay. So it won't be long until second edition is in people's hands. It has That's even amazing. more exercises. I had a lot of contributors add theirs and add like words of wisdom. So there's a lot of cool stuff by other writers in there as well. And yeah, there's like a third more exercises. I'm very excited about it. 
That's super exciting. Congratulations. I didn't realize Thanks. there was going to be a second edition. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and so if people want to stay up to date on all the details about that Kickstarter and when that launches, will you have information on that site or? Yeah. So you can, again, you can look at improvforgamers.com. You can follow Improv for Gamers on Twitter or Evil Hat uh, on Twitter as well because they give regular project updates. So if you want to see what's going on, I believe it's um, Evil Hat Productions on Twitter. And we'll put that in our show notes too. And I'm also on Twitter you, yeah. at K12s. Uh, I don't do much aside from retweet other people. Um, and I run a silly daily game uh, about guessing business names that I, I started as a joke. And it start. yeah, I've been doing it for over two years now. Oh my God. Daily? Yeah. It's called Thing and Thing. So I give the name of a business that I have found through like Google Maps that is all that is like a noun plus a noun. And then I put a poll of what type of business is this? Is this like a bar or restaurant, a clothing store, a salon, or a tattoo shop? So you have things like iron and gold, or you know, brick and mortar, or boot and shoe service. And those are all real business names. And I found uh, apparently you know, about six of them at this point, because I play it every day. Oh, well, not weekends. Wow. So, so, okay. yeah, so not that many. Totally worth the follow. I'm actually looking at your, your feed right now. Yeah, it's pretty silly. I do the same game on TikTok for no particular reason, other than I, I have like five friends on TikTok that engage with it there and maybe 12 friends on Twitter that engage with it on Twitter. <laughs> and I am just happy to make those you know, almost 20 people have, have fun each day. Well, it's 21 now. So, Yay! <laughs> um, and you're, we're going to make a lot of new dungeon masters and experienced dungeon masters. There's no reason you can't keep honing those skills. So you're yeah, gonna make absolutely. a lot of them happy as well with this great advice. I hope so. You will trust me. <laughs> uh, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. What a wonderful person. I feel like I know how to just make stuff up a little bit more. (laughs) I would Uh, do that in my normal life as uh, well as in our Drunky Two-Shoes campaign at the end of this podcast. No, you do a lot of prep and planning for Drunky Two-Shoes. I know you do. (laughs) I'm a little bit behind the hood. Zero. Zero planning or pre-thought goes in, which was part of the point, was to show that, look, you can do that just improving off the the top of your head. It's not always good, I'll admit it, but who is always good is our guest, A. Jordan Lambert. Let's give a little listen and learn about her awesomeness. Everyone, let's welcome A. Jordan Lambert to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! So excited to have you here. You are a blogger, TTRPG player extraordinaire, uh, and a wonderful person. So we're very excited to talk to you. There. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you. That's, that's a lovely intro. Yes. <laughs> you are uh, just somebody who seems like she's got her hands in lots of different things. Uh, not just TRPG um, streaming, but content creation. And I was... 
looking you up everywhere and just seeing like there's so much cool <laughs> stuff that you do, like a lot of pop culture and some fashion. And what is with the witches? I need to know more about the okay. witches. So I, the witches actually will segue into TPTRPG. So we're going to stay on topic. Nice. This is great. Uh, nice. I'm the kind of person who I don't know how to relax or be still ever like, don't go on vacation with me because I'm the person who's like, I looked up this restaurant and this excursion and the blah, 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 blah. And they're like, we're supposed to be laying out by the pool. And I'm like, well, we have an hour for that at 3 p.m. Ah. <laughs> it is scheduled. <laughs> it's on the schedule. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just, I'm always doing something, something creative. Um, and the thing with the witches is that my best friend Molly and I met independently, uh, you know, like had been content creating and doing weird stuff on the internet independently and met through friends. And we both said that we had come up with this goofy idea for a series of videos that no one was ever willing to do with us, where we wanted to try as much pumpkin flavored stuff as possible during the month of October. Mm. Cause we both love Halloween so much and it's all the pumpkin stuff in the stores, but you know, nobody was ever willing to make that video with us. And we said, Oh my God, you had the same idea. We're going to do this together. And so that's the thing with the witches we created kind of pseudo personalities that are us, but a little bit over the top and, and kooky. Um, and so we tried all the pumpkin stuff we could find like three years in a row. And then we were just like, well, now we just need to try other food because we've done that. And making these videos is too much fun. They can't stop. So <laughs> we do another food now. We're branching out into experiences. We just love doing weird things together, including yeah. playing tabletop. <laughs> oh, That's awesome. Okay. So was it pumpkin spice flavored stuff or actual pumpkin stuff? Both. We mm. basically went to uh, every grocery store in the city and said, where are your pumpkin things? And bought all of it. <laughs> Did you have the pumpkin bread from Trader Joe's? Yes, Trader Joe's absolutely kills it. If anybody wants recommendations, Trader Joe's is my number one yeah. seasonal store, including the autumn stuff. I will say that it's their so pumpkin bread is like, a plus, I don't, I used to make pumpkin bread from scratch. I'm like, no, not anymore. You don't need to. I'll, I'll never be to. better than Trader Joe's. It's so good. It is good. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Where yeah. Where are you based? Are you, you said the city. So I'm trying to figure out if that, is that New York? Oh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yeah. The other city. <laughs> yep. There's only two in all of America. Los Angeles <laughs> one, and New York. One or the other. <laughs> that is true. Yes. We live in the, the, the quiet little town of Seattle up here in the. Pacific Northwest. I was going to say, any of my friends who live in Seattle are going to listen to this and say, you dog. Oh, well, that, that was one of the things that I saw on your, what was it? Was that the yeah. witches also who did the Twilight tour? Uh, so that's one of the other things I'm involved with. Um, we, we did a Twilight tour recently. I have another channel where that's more pop culture based. Okay. Um, and so during the pandemic, we said, we're going to be 14 years old again. We're going to reread Twilight. We're going to mm -hmm. host a podcast about rereading Twilight. And as things started to open up in the world again, we said, you know what? Let's just go to Forks. Let's just do that. Nice. Yeah, it looked, I've, I have never actually been to Forks, even though I've lived in Seattle for 25 years. But oh, the, the road trip actually from Seattle to Forks was my favorite part because you have to drive through that rainforest and it's just beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but Seattle's one of my favorite cities in the world. Me too. It is well, a good one. It is a good you're one. You're welcome right? anytime. 
it feels like you're going into a fantasy land, right? With all the huge mountains and the rainforest, as you mentioned. Like, there's just the, the, the geography itself feels like it's plucked from Middle Earth. Right. And the thing that we kept saying is that in the Twilight movies, they have like all these characters on top of the mountains with fog and it looks kind of dramatic and ridiculous. And then as we were driving through, we're like, oh, my God, there is fog coming off the side of that mountain. This is a real thing. It's not special effects. (laughs) It happens. That wasn't just a director who went crazy with a fog machine. This is gorgeous. There was like three days last week where it was permanent fog. It was basically fog in every direction and it didn't burn off. Like the sun came out. It didn't matter. It was like, no, screw you. We're staying around. It was even more beautiful. The light was so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite. The fogginess of Seattle or the Pacific Northwest. I love. But you're you're right, Greg, when you say it's kind of like being in a fantasy world setting, because if you look at a map of Washington state, it's like it feels very D&D because it's like you could explore in the rainforest or like the urban metropolis or the desert or the snow-capped mountains. It's like no place can have that <laughs> much or have some volcanoes. What, what would you like to do here? Yeah. Well, being from LA, I came back home and I was like raving about first beach. And I was like, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And my mom was like, you grew up being able to walk to a beach. I don't understand why you were so impressed. And I'm like, you don't get it because you're in the forest. And then you take three steps and you're on the beach. I know. The forest and the beach are together. <laughs> it's true. The big evergreen tree. I know. I tried to explain that same thing to my dad who's in Florida. And he's like, this is the most beautiful beach in the world. I'm like, there's not even a tree. Like, it's just... It's just ocean and sand. It's beautiful. White sand, blue water. But like, no, give me those giant lumbering evergreen trees and like the big giant driftwood on the beach and just miles and miles of sand, some vampires, just... (laughs) That. Some hot, sexy All vampires. <laughs> Some sparkly vampires. <laughs> a little coffee. That's all you need. That's all you need. And some coffee. Yes. There's coffee. I, that's the thing that would crazy, uh, uh, surprise me about the Seattle area is that there's those espresso stands on the side of the road everywhere. Well, you must have seen them when you were driving around. What other part of the world where they're just like, here's where you get your espresso truck drivers. And it, <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> Hey, I'm saying as someone from Los Angeles who was not ready for 30 degree weather, I was very thankful for the abundance of hot drinks. Yeah, they have adapted. I I didn't even think about that, but you're totally right. It is just like, here, you can warm up. Get ready. Yep. Yep. Uh, So you have uh, been warming up, uh, getting (laughs) all of your uh, uh, Twitch gaming. I think we talked about tabletop a little bit in that intro. Uh, But yeah, so so you you create all these amazing things and then you uh, challenged you and your friend to to do some uh, TTRPG content together, right? Yeah, well, she challenged me, actually. Oh, really? Uh, What what had happened was (laughs) I was uh, a TTRPG player at home, for a series of years, you know, doing it with friends and that kind of thing. And a lot of my friends were involved in Twitch streaming and I just hadn't made that jump yet. And I was, uh, kind of, I was just joking with my mom. Like we were riffing one day as we were watching a, a TV show. Um, and it's this woman named Yanla who does like life coaching and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this black woman. And so she said like this colloquial black phrase that was like, uh, now don't go making us look bad after she quote unquote fixed this person's life. 
And I looked at my mom and we're riffing and I'm like, that would make a great D&D spell. Like if you're like, don't go making us look bad. And you gave that, you know, whoever you cast it on like advantage on their next attack roll or something. And my mom doesn't really know D&D that well. And she was like, but you know, like that could be funny. And she just started riffing about all these different things in black culture that you could make into different D&D spells and how they would work in the game. Oh, funny. So then later that night, I go out to have dinner with the other witch, Molly, and I replay this conversation for her. And I'm like, ha ha ha, like what a funny thing that me and my mom are just, we're so silly. And she was like, no, you guys are on to like a really viable idea. Like you should do this and stream it. And I was like, I, well, I, no, it was a joke. I don't know if this is a thing. And she was like, no, like I've been trying to get you to stream forever. There's a lack of diversity in streaming right now. Like this could be a really great, valuable thing for the community on top of super fun for you. You should do it. And at this point I had not DM'd in a game yet. Um, and so I kind of kicked the idea around with some friends and I'm like, I want to write this, but maybe find somebody else to DM. Cause like, I know I'm a great writer, but I don't know if I have the skill set to do that. And Another very good friend of mine, Rick, who's been playing for 30, 40 years, looked at me and he said, this is your idea. Nobody's going to care about your idea as much as you do. The same way that like nobody would love your child as much as you do. So even if you're scared, you just got to do it scared. This is your thing. And I believe in you. You can do the thing. Um, And so I... And so this was maybe like a couple weeks before the pandemic happened. And then the pandemic happened and I was just at home. So I was like, well, now I have time. So I just got all of my different D&D books together, ordered more, um, and just really sat down for a couple of weeks and wrote this adventure and showed it to some other DMs who I trust. And they were like, when you're ready to do this, like bring it to the table because the world is ready for you. Um, and so the true. pandemic and all these other you know weird, crazy things happened. And so it took me about six months to a year to be able to bring it to stream. Um, but I'm friends with really good friends with Jake at Q times. And he's very gracious and generous. And he said, when you're ready, we're ready to host you, uh, got together a fine, fantastic group of players. And that's been my thing for the last year. I host this awesome all black tabletop game that, um, has just tons and tons of callbacks to black culture. I love that. And I think that, that I forget the name of the the friend that told you, but like, I think that's such an interesting way to think about DMing and storytelling, right? Where you're like, you're you're never going to be uh, uh, handing it off to someone who's going to care about it as much as as you're going to care about it. And so, being able to take that seed of an idea that you had and turn it into something is is a journey. And you probably had lots of roadblocks along the way, but you're like, man, I'm going to fight through them and then you know make it make it a thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of imposter syndrome and, you know, we've been doing this for the past year or so and we play on Tuesday nights and every Tuesday afternoon, there's like, it's like right at four o'clock where I'm like, are you really going to do this again? Are you really like, who do you think you are, lady? Are you going to do this? This we, is. I have that every time we start Dragon Talk. It's a thing. It is just part of your Wednesday life. Wednesday at noon for us. Yep. Are we doing this? Again? Are we really gonna do? Oh, is <laughs> anybody yeah. out? There? Hello, is anyone out there? Uh, so you said something uh, that struck me. I I am a, mm-hmm. a struggling dungeon master. I want I want to be one. I want to be all of you, but mm-hmm. you know, baby steps. But you said something shocking to me, and when you were talking about how your road to dungeon mastering, and that was mm-hmm. two weeks. You were like, I got some books, and I ordered some more books. Wrote an adventure in two weeks. 
What? Well, well, I come, here's the thing. I come from a writing background and I, <clears throat> I'm lucky, you know, I'm connected to a lot of people and a lot of players in Los Angeles, uh, Kaylee Bray and B. Dave Walters and William White and Jake at Q Times and Jason Carl. Like I'm, I'm lucky enough that I live in Los Angeles. And so I know all these fantastic people just because we like go to the same parties or have mutual friends. Um, and so when I got this idea, I was just surrounded by a network of great people. So I was able to hop on my Facebook and just be like, hey, I think I want to do this thing. Who is willing to help me? And all these people like stepped and they, up and they're like, we know yeah. that you're just a fantastic creator and storyteller. And if this is a thing that you want to do, we want to support you. Um, and some of the best advice I got came from Kaylee Bray and Jason Carl, where they said, story first, write your story, and then you can find places to plug mechanics into it. Mm. Okay. Um, and I come from a writing background. So like writing a story was not hard for me. Uh, and I don't mean that to sound braggadocious. I just, I'm yeah, so passionate yeah. about writing and storytelling. Like it's my number one thing. I, I graduated from a college with a degree in writing like theater and, and stuff. Cause I just love to write. So like, that was the fun part when people were like, I hated being in lockdown. And I was like, I woke up and either grabbed a glass of whiskey or a cup of tea and then sat at my laptop for hours and wrote this silly thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think it took me a while to get there in the pandemic, but it is, uh, it is nice when you're like, I have time. I can fill it with all the projects that I've been complaining about not having time to do over the last uh, 10 years. Uh, that's really, so you, you went to school for theater? Is, did I hear that? I did. Yep. Nice. We did too. Us too. And writing for me. I was theater and writing. Shocking. Shocking that people who play How? tabletop games and host podcasts went to school for theater. It's the only thing Where I know how to connection? do. <laughs> totally. So... So what is, uh, well, first let's talk about the group that you play with. So you have mm -hmm. the ideas there, you're, you're in it, you're going to, you're going to DM it, you've written your adventure. And now what went into putting together your, your players? Who did you choose and why? Um, so my first player that I chose, uh, is a fantastic person named Moses and he and I work together at our day job, um, and so we spend just a lot of time around the water cooler in that kind of situation. And we both knew that we played and we had been kind of talking about playing maybe in a home game or something like that for a while. So when this opportunity came up, he was one of the first people that I thought of. Um, and then one of our other players is Kiki. She's one of the ones that I did the Seattle road trip with. Okay. Nice. Uh, she and I went to college together. So we've been friends for over a decade and uh, she was kind of my security blanket. And she was like, I have no clue how to play a tabletop. What do you call it? And I was like, that's great. I'll teach you, Game. but you're going to do this thing with me because I need you to do this thing with me. Uh, and you know, when you've got 10 years of friendship, when somebody says that you just do the thing for them, you just do it. <laughs> And you already know you can travel with this person. So if you can travel yeah. with them, you can play a TRPG. With <laughs> exactly. Them. Ride or die. Um, and so, and you know, the, the great thing about having her in the cast is that she was so nervous because she doesn't know how to play. And I was like, that's actually lovely that you don't know how to play because for anybody who you're an entryway for other people who don't know how to play for anybody who yeah. wants mm -hmm. to get into this and maybe is intimidated. I, they can watch our show and watch you learn with us. Like that's, you can all learn together. It's great. Yeah, that is good. That's why um, when you've been doing all the how to DM things, it's like, you know, it's so much easier when you have a how yeah. to, like, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm new, I'm a novice. It's an old storytelling narrative technique, right? To be able to like teach through 
learn by teaching, you know, exactly. that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the other thing about that is that if you're nervous, you as the dungeon master, and you see there's a player who's nervous, you can kind of focus on them. Mm. Yeah, right. And then We're it makes you less together. nervous. Yeah, you're just like, <laughs> all right, I got to put my nerves aside to help yeah. this person at my table. <laughs> it works. Um, Jeff was, he's a friend of Molly's and we had met like once that we went to see Star Wars as a huge group together. So we had met for like 10 minutes and Molly was just like, please play this game. You guys are really like each other. Just, you know, both of you just trust me on this one. Um, okay. And so we did. And then I was looking to fill that fourth seat because I knew that I, you know, best party, you kind of want four or five people. Totally. Um, and so again, I put the call out on Facebook and I had another friend who was like, hey, I know this really awesome person named DK. They're super into tabletop. You guys have a lot in common. I think you'll get along. Um, to me, and I guess on DK's end, basically the pitch that they were given was that, hey, my friend's starting an all black tabletop stream. Do you want to be a part of it? And that was all that they needed as far as convincing those. They're like, yeah, um, I'm And in. so we all got together and had our session zero. And, you know, I knew it was going to work because our session zero happened during the pandemic over Zoom. And I think within 10 minutes, we were all laughing like we had known each other for a super long time. Oh, you know, great. about yeah. shared commonalities within Black culture. And that kind of situation. So I was like, all right, great. If we can laugh together, then we can play this game. <laughs> So how, uh, yeah, talk a little bit about how the integration of the, all the, the the black culture things are are woven throughout the game. Obviously, with all the cast members being from that, it's not hard for 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 all those uh, references and things to come up. But like, how how did you, as the DM, kind of uh, weave that through? Um, I you know again story first, so I kind of thought about, and there are a lot of different. Um, podcasts and, and you know there's so much D content out there which is fantastic um and so one of my favorites uh is dungeons and daddies mm. i really love anthony birch a whole lot and i just love listening to, to their thing and so i definitely kind of riffed off of him and i said well what if you know these were like four millennials because i am a black millennial and they somehow get stuck in the forgotten realms and have to find their way home so once I got that part, I was like, okay, so what are my favorite places in the Forgotten Realms? And kind of cherry picked that. And once I had like, you know, this idea and places, then it was kind of easy to find adventures and different things to weave in. And um, one, one of the things that I'm most proud of is that I did a very condensed like session and a half version of Strahd. Mm. Uh, but instead of Strahd, it was Mama Walde from Blackula. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, and like little things like that. And they went to Cholt and Cholt's very deserty. And I was like, oh, you know, like what if Cholt was like a, a like a hotep place? And instead of like if they're gonna fight a mummy, instead of calling it Imhotep, it would be I'm a hotep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's so good. It is genius. <laughs> So I, yeah, I love and, little, and having them be real characters in a fantasy world too. That means that you're allowed to like you know bring in. I mean, every group puts in anachronisms and jokes and aside, uh, but exactly. those, those always always feel like you pull yourself out of the fantasy world. But that is the storytelling exactly. that you were telling. Yes, and it was so you know once I had these little nuggets and another thing that's got silly and I'm proud of is that uh, I had two halflings in them. Uh, in the campaign as NPCs and they were thieves. Their mom was a thief named Bebe, which made them Bebe's kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so as soon as I said that, my players are deciding whether or not they wanted to partner with these NPCs or fight them. And immediately Kiki goes, haven't you seen the movie? They don't die. They multiply. And I was like, this, this was the <laughs> moment I wanted. <laughs> 
<laughs> when we can all give each other these goofy little callbacks that keep everything, you know, centered on on the culture and, and kind of why I did this. I love that. And I think it's something that uh, makes what Dungeons and Dragons is uh, so much more important, right? When you're bringing in cultural references from, uh, you know, your, your, your own experience, it just enlivens it for everyone. And then being able to show it on Twitch, it just creates this, uh, you know, uh, people from black culture who are watching that will then get inspired to create their own shows. And it just becomes this self-perpetuating uh, thing, which is why, you know, representation, uh, you know, in, in Dungeons and Dragons as well as on Twitch and all those places, you know, really matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, the, the nerd landscape, and I hate using the word nerd, but you guys know what I mean. The yeah. nerd landscape has changed so much throughout my life. And I just, I remember like being 13 and like being in the fantasy section of the bookstore and like being so incredibly underrepresented, uh, both as a woman and as a black person. And now, you know, 30 years later, I'm so proud that the landscape looks so different and is so much more colorful and there's so much gender representation and equality. And it's just very different. And I'm so excited. Like I have nieces and nephews and I'm like, I'm so jazzed that you guys get to grow up in this world that is so different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even five years ago, it was, you know, we were still trying to convince people that streaming was going to be important, right? <laughs> like it, mm -hmm. it was, it, and, and that Dungeons and Dragons was a cool thing. I mean, that was you know one of uh, Shelly and I's kind of uh, tenets for doing this podcast in the first place was to be like, hey, look, you can be, you know, uh, you're, uh, someone who is well rounded, who loves theater, who loves writing, who loves storytelling, who loves the uh, reality TV that that Shelly likes so dang much, um, <laughs> and still like D and D too, right? Like you can have the, you yeah. know. All this, and I think that alone has changed so much so that we're not just the kids who liked Star Wars. You know, we're not the kids who just liked Lord of the Rings. Like, it's become uh, a, a big part of what everybody is, is consuming and thinking about now. Yeah. It's just like a part of who you are. It's right. not, you know. Exactly. It's just, yeah, I, I do all of these things, but I also play D&D &D as well. Yeah. Which is great. So what has been the response from uh, the community uh, through through this show? Like, has, has people been able to, to, you know, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that someone's mentioning that that joke or that thing or I'm a hotep, like all that stuff. Like, how did that feed into it? It's been lovely. It's been so much fun, you know, and I, I went into it with incredibly low expectations and kind of you guys. Have you guys seen Spider-Man? The, the newest one. The newest one. No. Yes. I have. Okay, never mind. I will not say what I was going to say. Spoiler. Because it could be considered a spoiler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I went in, uh, my mindset was, you know, don't don't expect to log on and have 100,000 viewers, you know, and don't log on and like expect that you're going to be like the Oprah of D&D. &D. Like, don't, <laughs> don't shoot that high because that's just not the world that we're in. I kind of went into it as like, you know, if my brother watches it and he says that he laughed, then then I will have one, you know, and but and so I went into it kind of with low expectations and was so pleasantly and lovely, you know, surprised that we do have we've maintained steady viewership. We have fans of the show. Um, you know, we've done different adventures now with this same cast and the same characters. And there are people who are like, hey, can you bring back this NPC? Because I really love them and I want to see them again. And that situation and I get kind of reglimped about it because it's a weird thing that just was sitting in my brain 
and now people have requests and fan favorite characters and that kind of thing, you know, and it's um, very lovely. I've had a couple of different people reach out to me, you know, and say like, I want to do an all native game or I want to do an Asian American game. Like what notes do you have? And I'm like, dude, my only notes are just get really good people. and like, think about the things that you love. You know, if you, if you bring that passion to the table and to your stream, then that's going to be contagious for other people. Yeah. And, and I mean, you can take advice from you on like, you know, maybe production and things like that, but it really needs to be their own story, right? They can't, they can't just mm-hmm. do what you did and, and expect to get success. They have to make it and love it as much as, as, as you loved uh, this project, which I feel like we, we haven't actually said the name of the show, right? It's Blackness and Sorry, Dragons. Yes, Blackness oh, and Dragons, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Blackness and Dragons, Jeez Louise. Uh, it's, uh, we'll, we'll give you time to, to do all the, the uh, <laughs> uh, shout outs at the end, but it's on the Q Times channel. Uh, and yeah. uh, it's, I think it's been really important, not just uh, for you know, the, the community you come from and bringing those people uh, in, into all this fantasy stuff. But during this pandemic time when there is yeah. just so little touchstones with people, can't go to events, you can't go to, you know, uh, restaurants as often, you know, that type of stuff. And so how do you, how, how has it felt and what has the response been about people uh, being able to have, uh, you know, your show, Blackness and Dragons, be like part of their weekly ritual or monthly ritual? It's been so touching, and I, one thing that really stands out to me is that when we took our first season break, uh, one of our players' sisters, who is now a very close friend of mine, actually, she made the, a meme, and it's like, you know, the guy who's, like, sat on the swing set, <laughs> and she's like, well, it's Tuesday night, but there's no new Blackness and Dragons, and it's like the little sad guy on the swing <laughs> set, and she was like, this is me, <laughs> I miss my friends. <laughs> it's so true. What do you, yeah, so, I, oh, no, go on, please. No, no, it's uh, just been really lovely to be a part of people's pandemic. And I always, um, my mom and I are super close and I had this, we had this really loving relationship, you know, with myself and both of my siblings growing up. And she was very much like pursue the things that, you know, if we were like, hey, mom, I want to draw, then she's going to go to Michael's and get us, you know, art, you know, pencils and that kind of thing. And if it was, you know, I think that I want to be a writer, then she'd get us a word processor in that kind of situation. Um, So she's always been very supportive of our artistic endeavors, even if she didn't necessarily need to be involved. And this has become so important to me and like such a touchstone. And she realizes the reach it has it. Like my mom has now learned how to play being. Oh, I was going to ask if she's involved. (laughs) Oh. You know, in those situations and I, one thing that I think the pandemic did is that really allowed people to be very true to who they are. And uh, Secret Nerd Social, Navar and I talk about this often, and that the reason that his podcast is called Secret Nerd is because being a, a person of color, sometimes you have this dual identity where you're like, I'm, mm. I'm this cool kid who plays basketball. And then at night you go home and you're like, and I also devour comic books. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like you have this feet in both world. And I think that just with the changing landscape and there being more representation uh, and the pandemic, a lot of people are just able to let that freak flag fly, you know, for lack of a better term. So it's really great to see people who I never thought would be into tabletop embracing us and our show and like just letting it all hang out. Yeah, but there's probably a lot to that with your story first um, philosophy, because really... You, it's a great escape for anyone, even if you don't know or you're not in the D&D world or you don't know how to play or you've never played it yourself, you can still tune in and still 
hear a really good story with really well-rounded, interesting characters. I mean, that's really what what you're offering to people as well. Like your mom. (laughs) But I love the idea that she started to play. (laughs) Oh, moms are the best. Um, so what the back to like the talking about your community, how mm-hmm. what are some ways, you know, with streaming, like you get to interact with the community, you know, as things are, are unfolding. But how do you how do you maintain the community or, or feel connected to the community of people who are watching you? Like, What are some ways um, that, that you can help really foster that? So I always try to have. And God, it's the DM struggle right there. You don't have enough screens, especially if you're streaming. You just don't have enough computer screens because you've got, you know, like your notes on one window and then like the Zoom with your players on the other and and all the, you know, it's just too much stuff happening. Um, But I do always try and keep open a window of chat so I can actively be looking at what chat is saying as we're playing. Um, And then Twitter... Uh, and Q Times is awesome. Q Times has a Discord channel. Mm. Uh, and within that, we do have a Blackness and Dragons sub channel on their Discord. Um, so it's really, I'm a huge social media person. I grew up during the MySpace era. I beta tested MySpace, actually. Wow. Uh, oh fun God. fact about me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long I've been doing social media. Uh, and sometimes <laughs> I find interfacing with humans through the computer a lot easier than doing it uh, in person. So it's, something that I I really look forward to because I do think you get to choose how you engage and choose the boundaries of engagement and you can really foster that community. You know, it's, it's, if you, if you are doing a live show and this happened to me as a performer and you get a heckler, it's really hard to ignore them. Right. You know, uh, online, if you see a troll, you can just hit the band hammer and move on. Boom. You're 100% in charge of like who is in your community and how they're interacting in your community. And we definitely, you know, not to get incredibly political, but not everyone is very happy to see a group of five black people playing their tabletop, quote unquote, their tabletop game. Uh, and we have had situations where people come in and want to say unkind things in chat. And we have a great producer and we have great viewers who immediately are just like, you know, but if you don't knock that off, you're getting banned. And then we hit them with the ban hammer. Yeah. That's important. Uh, I mean, I, and I, I love, I mean, it's the best when it comes from, from the leaders from the people who are, are doing it, but you're in the middle of performing. You don't have a chance to, to do yeah. that. And so I love hearing those stories when it is the community itself who is, you know, uh, regulating and making sure that they're the ones who are like, hey, look, that's not the right thing. And I think that it needs to happen more out there, honestly, uh, from everybody. Yeah. Um, and then the more that happens, you know, it's, it's any party, any situation you've been in where something uh, untoward happens, right? It it gets resolved when the when everyone is just like, dude, that wasn't cool. Or, you know, like, you know, yeah, don't do that. And then the social pressures of that kind of change. Now, that doesn't always occur online, and sometimes you just have to be like, get out. Um, yeah. Uh, but it is, it is good to see when you... That's why you know you've created a good community, when they start uh, uh, upholding your values for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, oh. and I just... I think a, a big part of the community that <clears throat> I've created and helped foster is its authenticity is a lot of it. And, you know, Shelly, you, t- you admitted to stalking me a little bit, um, it's I'm research, very, like it. not stalking. It's research. It's research. <laughs> um, 
you know, if you look at my Twitter, I just, it's all over the place. There's a lot of TTRPG talk because it takes up a lot of my brain space, but part of it is just being authentic. And I think that's one thing that everyone on social media can remember more, not just, you know, and the dumb little banner comes up now and they're like, Hey, remember there's a person on the other side of the screen. Um, I think helping people remember that there's a person on the other side of the screen is to be authentic and not just do your highlight reel, you know? And, yeah. and I, when the four o'clock, when the Tuesday four o'clock hit, hits me and I'm like, Oh God, I have to do this again. I will tweet and be like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through this stream tonight. Cause I got the nerves guys. So like be kind in chat, please. Yeah. I, I can actually bring this back to the bachelor, which Greg will <laughs> roll his eyes. on. But, Come on. Um, so I, I'm not a fan of the, the gentleman who is the bachelor this season as is most, a lot of people, but I, I read some interview with him. He was like, it's okay to say like mean things to me, I guess. But my mom reads it and she's having a really hard time with it. And then it made me so sad because then I thought like, what if people said terrible things about my own son? And like, yeah, the mom would, yeah. I would, I would feel awful. So I'm not going to say bad things about him anymore. Um, which I didn't like public only like in my head as I was watching or like sure. in a, in like a, a text to Greg's wife. But um <laughs> But like, really, like, think about, like, it's not just a person on the other end, which that should be enough to stop you. But in case it's not, right. like, think about, like, the, the people who love that person, too, sometimes get caught up in it. And it's, it's yeah, what, why spread that around? Yeah. Think about the moms. There's a mom theme happening here. Right. <laughs> I learned that early, honestly, with social media. And I, I, I'm glad I did. I was, like, right when I started being a little bit more public life when I was a game journalist. Mm -hmm. And I just, someone posted a short story and I, I and on Twitter, I just criticized, I was just like, oh yeah, that's a silly, I didn't like that short story. And that person responded and was like, what oh. are you talking about? Like, that's BS, blah, blah, blah. And then like, I started being like, wait a second, yeah. what? Why would I just say that out loud into the, in, like, <laughs> unsolicited <laughs> criticism out there and I and I was like I'm so glad I mean it was an awful interaction I felt real bad for it uh, for happening but I'm glad it happened because I just was like shit and and so I almost make it a point now to lift everything up around like yeah. I'm like you know if I, you know, I feel criticism I'll either take it to myself or, or or you know in a more private forum I just don't put that energy out into the world see I'm gonna internet date myself and say that I learned that lesson on live journal <laughs> I did. I had a blogger. My it's, yeah, you're a blogger. Yeah. Yep. And I, I was talking trash about some girl that I went to school with thinking it would never get back around to her. And of course it did. Mm -hmm. And I go to school and everybody's like, this girl's going to try and beat your, well, oh, I was going to say a word that I don't know if I can say on this podcast. Oh, she was going to do unkind things at the flagpole at lunch. And I was like, this is not you guys. And so I found her in the hallway in between classes and told her, listen, I said those things. I didn't think they would get back to you. If you want to fight, that's fine. Like, but I didn't necessarily mean it that way. And I should have said those things in my private journal and not where the world could see them. Because honestly, I don't feel that way about you. I'm just jealous of the situation that you're in. Oh. Yeah. Right. And you were just working yeah, out those emotions yeah. and getting them out yeah. there like any writer does. Yeah. You know, and that was fortunately she and I were able to talk through it and there did not come to a fight at the flagpole. Oh, I was going to ask. You know. <laughs> Did the fight I mean, happen? I had enough of those. I couldn't afford another one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, you, it's 
it's never what you say, it's how you say it. And mm. sometimes those things, you just don't have to say them in public. Right. I think sometimes we forget that the internet is public. If you wouldn't go outside your house on your porch and just yell these things at your neighbors, <laughs> do you need to yell them into the internet? Yes. I mean, the like, latest episode of The Bachelor was bad. I hate The Bachelor. <laughs> He's not even attractive. You <laughs> make terrible decisions. <laughs> just like we all go back inside. He's got an yeah. underbite. Hey, like, come yeah. on, it's loud. If, yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't say house, it to man. the person. You're not gonna just don't say it online. Yeah. But, Anyway, it's hard to ignore that stuff, though. Even there's like 10 very kind things and then one unkind thing. And it's like, oh, I'm the worst person in the world. Why, <laughs> why must we focus on that one negative? And it's something, I mean, you know, obviously through how many people are online in their world, especially now with, with uh, isolation being what it is, like, I feel like people have learned this. But if I, I you know, the, the, the how to how to act online, obviously there's tons of bad actors on there. But um, I, I almost wondered, like, how do we teach? How do we teach our kids? Like, how, how do we teach the people who are coming up now the consequences of, of, of these things? Why, because they don't I don't think they they they're not born understanding the Internet. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's all taught. So how, how do we how do we do that? I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. I, I mean, I have no clue. And I think. I mean, how do we teach kids to be responsible citizens in general, you know, taking mm. the internet out of it. And to me, it, I'm going to bring it back around to my show uh, <laughs> in that, you know, we always say like when little, when, when we find adults who are prejudiced or bigoted, you know, we always say that's a learned behavior because children are not naturally prejudiced or bigoted. They learn that somewhere and then they carry it, you know, with them throughout their life. So we kind of have to figure out where do we, where do we stop the bad behavior? Mm. You know, like when does that, how do you teach a, a child to be a nice, responsible human being in general and to bring it all the way back around again? I do think tabletop is a tool for that. And yes. I do have friends who play with their littles. Um, and I actually uh, have an opportunity to, to oversee some littles at a local elementary school because my friend is the PTA president. Um, nice. <laughs> but it can really be, you know, it's a game that can really teach us about teamwork and sharing and you know, cooperative and, and even dealing with some of the different races and classes, how you interface with people who are not like you yeah. and, and those kind of things. I think there are a lot of different ways to do that. And I definitely think that tabletop can be a valuable tool for it. But I mean, we got to figure it out because it's rough out there. Mandatory. The world is a rough place right now. Mandatory D&D playing, I think, is the only way. <laughs> yeah. Got to get them playing. But you're, you're right. Yeah, because you can also learn and and teach consequences that yeah. way as well. Like this is what right. you want to do. These are the results of those actions. And yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a there's a phrase going around for that, right? F around and find out. And <laughs> that is yeah. only more so at the at the D and D table, right? Like if you you know oh, yeah. insult the mayor. You know, in in your t fantasy town, you know, chances are you're going to have consequences from that, and <laughs> you learn pretty quick. And I have played with my my kids, and they're like, "Oh wait, I did, I was just joking." I'm like, "Oh, were yeah. you? They don't were you know just that. joking." Well, they yeah. don't know. Yeah, right. Exactly. They don't know, and that's true uh, on the internet and in real life. Mm -hmm. You can't just say, "Oh, I said that really awful thing," but I was just joking. I don't think no. that doesn't. Uh, one of my players uh, killed a tentacle monster. The the, the party did. Uh, and then he decided he was going to eat one of the tentacles like it was calamari. And I was like, you know, there are ah. consequences for that, right? Like, I'm not just going to let this fly. Uh, 
But I set a terrible precedent. This was my turn as a DM to F around and find out. Because I was like, you know, it'd be funny. Like, instead of, instead of punishing them for all their terrible behavior, what if I gave him, like, tentacle powers now? So now he can throw up a tentacle and use that as an attack? Um, <laughs> That's not the tentacle the other power play, uh, I thought. Nope. Yeah, no, there's another player now who every time they kill a monster is like, can I eat the mummy bandages? And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> oh, my God. I should have let this fly. I let this fly one time at the table and, and turned it into a good thing. And now you're just going to try and abuse this. The mummy bandages? <laughs> yes. You need there's... to create a table for like what? Oh, speaking of eating disgusting hey. Um <laughs> We, yeah, you can create a table of all of the terrible consequences that will come with. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's a there's a D and D a supplement that uh, someone has created where you can make dishes from every monster, right? Like make owlbear yeah. fillet, uh, you know, and all the fun stuff, right? And they all have mechanical benefits. So there's certain games and campaigns where that that makes you know it's integrated into everything. <laughs> yeah. So this being your first campaign as a dungeon master, were there like? Did you kind of have an idea of what your style would be going into it? Are you surprised by the type of dungeon master you are? Did your was your style informed by other dungeon masters? Um I yes to all of that. Um <laughs> we a couple of other DMs and I and, and other people in the lovely community that I foster, we we joke. Uh, cause I'm a very rules light DM and kind of my, my house rule is like funny Trump's rules. So if you guys, if, you know, if the book says that you're supposed to, you know, do it exactly this way. But if my player has a funnier idea, uh, an example being, you know, mage hand, which is a, a mechanic that I've used as a player several times, technically says that you cannot use it as an attack. And one of my players had it and she said, but I really just want to pour some baby powder in my hand and then slap this villain. <laughs> But I told her and I was like, I know, I know you're not supposed to do it this way because multiple DMs have yelled at me for trying to use Mage Hand as an attack. However, I think this is hysterical and I'm absolutely going to allow this. <laughs> yes. What if yeah. like, what if Mage uh, Hand didn't know it was an attack? Like you're just, like you, if you don't yeah. position it to the Mage Hand like as violence... Like maybe you're just yeah. like offer up this handful of baby powder to that gentleman's cheek over yeah. there, and then <laughs> then it's not an attack. But you're just patting it gently. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very rules light. Navarre loves to tease me, and he's like, "You read the part of the Dungeon Master's Guide where it says it's just a suggestion, and then threw the rest of the book away." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And that I mean that, that's when streaming games I think uh, are are. I don't want to say more fun, but can be a different kind of fun because it is, it's a performance. It's an improv. It is, you're just trying to make your audience enjoy their time and nothing is the opposite of that. Nothing is not having fun if you're like, well, mm, sorry, no, no you in can't Sight do Club that. Section 2A, yeah. You know, I think as time has gone on, I have, I've learned a better balance of rules and mechanics and just kind of willy-nilly playing. Um, and I definitely, I, I'm very improv heavy. I, again, I majored in theater. Uh, so I'm a super yes and kind of DM. My players are going to throw a goofy idea out there. Uh, one of them inadvertently made a deal with the devil because he was like, I'm going to spit and then shake his hand. And I was like, are you, are you sure you want to do that? Because if you had just shaken his hand, that was one. But if you had spit, that's a whole other. Okay. <laughs> Seals the deal. <laughs> Right. So now later I have to deal with the fact that he's now made a deal with the devil and I have to go in and, and figure out how we're going to 
tie that up. Um, so it, it, I have surprised myself, yes, because I kind of thought I was going to be loosey-goosey. And I think some of that came with the nerves and the fear of, of not having DM'd before and being, you know, kind of, of being scared to do it. And what, I've done it a little bit longer and I've gotten more comfortable and, you know, just played more and read some different supplementary materials. And so now I feel like I have a little bit of a better balance uh, with rules light and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, but it's very lovely and very surprising journey uh, and very rewarding. I, I wrote my little blurb to you guys that I became a DM out of spite. And yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I was uh, at one point, a gentleman told me that I would never be able to DM because I wasn't smart enough. Oh, <gasps> what? <laughs> Which is a terrible thing to say to someone that you're supposedly friends with. And it, that was, was like seven or... That was a supposed friend of mine as me and some other girlfriends were saying how we really wanted to get into, you know, uh, we all cosplayed together and we all hung out. And I think he had just come from like a DM, uh, Dungeons and Dragons session and he's hanging out with us and we're all going to go see a movie. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, we we're asking him about a session and all this stuff. And I was like, I would love to do it. Like, I love storytelling. I think maybe one day I might want to be him. And he's like, you're not smart enough. And I was like, well, now I'm going to learn how to do this. And someday I will do this because Damn. you shouldn't have said that. Yeah. But a little bit oh. challenge accepted. You're like throwing that gauntlet yeah. down. Please, are you still in touch with this person? Uh, no. <laughs> Too bad. No. Well, I would. Yeah, just love to just send him. Uh, just a links link to, to this you podcast. DMing. I mean, I know it's like, yeah, by the way, mutual friends, channel. so I might just be like, oh my god, friends, so I might I'm, have somebody be like, oh, you know, I was on Dragon Talk. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Jordan? Yes. Yeah, so she's DMing now. Yeah, and she was a guest on, on the official D&D podcast talking about her game. Smarter yes. than you. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, and that is, again, a thing that we have always tried to rail against, right? Like, there is no specific type of person you need to be in order to be a DM or, or a Dungeons & Dragons player at all, right? Like, I think that no. stigma has just been holding together for so long, and I'm so glad we're breaking all that stuff down because... There's different styles. Like you can play a DM yeah, however and, you want and use your skills and your things, you know, the way you want. Like maybe you couldn't have done his exact style, but nobody can and no one should, uh, you know. Exactly. And that's why I think it's very important to really consider the people that you have at your table and then also to run a session zero. And even if it's not a traditional mm -hmm. session zero, the way that people think about it, uh, being a loosey goosey DM, my session zero is a really more just like an informal talk than like a, we're going to sit here with the players and go through the checklist of how you create a character and, you know, and all that situation. Uh, but definitely sit down and I ask my players, like, what do you want to see out of this campaign? Or if it's a one shot, like, what do you want to do in this one shot? Like, how do you guys like to play? You know, if this was a movie, what rating do you want on it? Are you super into the rules? Not super into the rules. Like, I'll tell you right now, if you're going to rules lawyer me, like, we probably shouldn't play together because <laughs> I'm going to let somebody eat a tentacle, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and get tentacle powers. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think Session Zero, that idea has continued uh, to gain traction with so many folks. It just makes sense to have that you know, level setting conversation, right? Of like your expectation setting conversation. Yeah. 
it's something that I wish I had done when I was a kid. Uh, and I wish I, I, you know, even did more now just in life. Like, you know, can we have a session zero for our friendship? Uh, this is what you can expect going <laughs> forward. Uh. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, it's, I, um, you know, well, another weird thing about me is that I used to work for a very large technology company. I won't name them because I don't want them to sue me. Um, Did I they worked just buy in another large company? Fixing things. No, it's the opposite uh, one. Okay. The one who has retail stores. Yeah. They it. have really smart bars. <laughs> yes. I worked at the really smart bar. And uh, one thing that they trained us to do was really to level set and have expectations conversations with every person that you talked to who visited the store that day. Um, and it really like changed my perception and point of view of how you like move through the world. Mm. And uh, I, I was dating another person who worked at the very smart bar. And as, as things started to get heated one time, we were kind of like about to get into an argument. And I saw and I was like, yo, you're like steps of servicing me right now. You're doing the thing that we learned how to do. And he was like, yeah, because it works. And I don't want to get into an argument with you. And I was like, well, oh. okay, you, you've got a point. Let's level set and, and realign right now. <laughs> Interesting. I do that with my wife all the time. I'd be like, you cannot <laughs> expect me to do any work for the next, uh, and no chores shall be done because I've got X, Y, and Z to have happening uh, in the next couple of days. I'll get to them later, you know, right? Doesn't like work at, anymore. Communication, right? That's at the yeah. heart of any relationship, especially relationships that have to do with Dungeons and Dragons. Because you're not just players and DMs. You are entering into no. a form of a relationship with someone that you're playing with. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So as a dungeon master, again, an important part is to let the player's personality shine through, let their characters have these special moments and stuff. And you kind of have to manage all of that in your role as the dungeon master. So what, how do you balance, like, I got a story to tell here, guys, with like still letting them have those moments and improv and do their thing? Ooh, that, that balance is a little tricky sometimes yeah and I, I think I got lucky I'm sure lots of DMs would say this I have the best players in the world, even if I give them crap all the time which I do uh <laughs> because they make <laughs> deals with the devil and eat tentacles uh and so it's you know I definitely poke fun at them um but they're just they are a very magnificent group of people so it's very easy for me to give them that time to shine um and it's, you know, the the more you kind of play with them, you find those emotional beats. And um, I think with the story that we were telling about them being, you know, our first part of it with them being stuck in the Forgotten Realms and wanting to get home, the emotional stakes were very high, you know? And so it was really easy to kind of find those story beats and find those emotional elements. And I, I definitely kind of... Um, I don't want to say I emotionally, enough, emotionally manipulated them, but I set things to make sure that the stakes were high. You know, mm. they all went to the Forgotten Realms with a totem that reminded them of home. And they were all basically, they had to go to these five different locations to find their different totem. So it was very easy to get this emotional moment, you know, around one of my players' thing, he thought he was being funny where he said, well, this was a chicken wing because he thought he was just going to be silly about it. But then when we finally got it and it was like the last thing that they needed to be able to get home, it was this really emotional moment of like, hey, guys, we're all going to be able to go home and see our families again. This is fantastic. And what says family more than a chicken wing? 
hey, you know, a nice meal shared with people you love. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It is. I, really, it I like that. That it's like that made me have like a little emotional moment just hearing you say like they all had a totem of something that reminded them of home. And what that's such a cool way to not just give have that emotional connection to your story, but also weave in some of their your players' backstories and some of, of the things that maybe they just told you in passing that you have glommed onto and are using again for the story. It's really cool. It reminds me a lot of the stuff that uh, Perkins put into the Wild Beyond the Wishlight of yes. like trying to find mm-hmm. lost things and 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 that type of stuff. So, you know, it's 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 using those tropes and then just finding new ways to make emotional connections by using things that are familiar as well, right? I yeah. Think it's, it's genius. You know, I, we always rail on tropes as writers and creators, and I, I think that they become tropes for a reason. You know, we wouldn't tell these stories over and over again if they didn't have some kind of power to them. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, while, while we might get tired of, you know, girl can't choose between the rugged guy or the nice guy, the, that trope exists for a reason, you know, so where where can you find the power in that story and how can you tell it from a different angle and and pull those, put the stakes in it and put those emotions. And if you can't tell that one and find the emotional stakes in that one, there's like 9,000 tropes. There's a whole bunch of stereotypes, like these things exist for a reason. You can find the one that really resonates with you and, and figure out how to massage it for your story. Right. What is the what is the the Greek dramatist thing where there's like, there's only six stories ever, Yeah. right? And like every yep. story that's told is just a variation on those, right? Like, so you're yeah. never going to reinvent storytelling but you're going to bring yeah. your own personal flavor and love uh and then bring out your players personal feelings and loves and and dislikes and hates and all that stuff to make it feel like it's uh new and fresh but it really is just romeo and juliet <laughs> <laughs> or whatever 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 tropey story right. it's, it's all the hero's journey yeah. it's all star wars every movie is star wars <laughs> exactly exactly just do it your own version of space battles see it's different <laughs> well it is a great introduction to home brewing for a new dungeon master somebody who's like wants to dip their toe into original original and quote stories by taking an existing story that and then like you said adding the seeing the spots where you should add the mechanics to mm-hmm. good advice i really like that advice the story first and then figure out where you can drop in some mechanics Yeah. And I definitely think the more that you do it, the more natural it becomes because, Mm -hmm. you know, at now at this point, I think my players are conditioned to like, I want to walk into that room. Great. Roll investigation. Cause I'm not just going to tell you what's in there. (laughs) Is that your way of buying time to be like, Oh, what is in this room? (laughs) I got to figure that out. (laughs) Smart. That is a very smart move. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I've definitely, I mean, I've definitely been stuck in that situation where I'm like, I did not anticipate anyone asking me this question. So I need you to click clack some dice so I can figure out the answer. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you get on that dice. You just need to roll yeah. it and, uh, you know, yeah. give me 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those, are the, those are the tips and tricks. Uh, and especially doing it live, right? Like that's such a very different thing, right? You can't oh. just pause or just, you know, uh, give me a second while I look this up, talk amongst yourselves. Like, right. You have to have that, uh, illusion that it is all part of the show (laughs) yeah it's it's a very unique challenge and i will say that you know that's the great part about playing with other people is that you never 
And it's all the memes and the jokes about being a DM where you're like, I made a very clear story that goes from A to B to C in my brain. And my players do not have my brain. It doesn't work that way for them. I assumed that they were just going to go talk to the informant and figure out where this thing is. And now they're burning a building down. Okay, cool. (laughs) Great. Awesome. (laughs) <laughs> let's go with it back to the unexpected yeah exactly i love that well uh it has been uh wonderful talking to you jordan i feel like we uh touched on so many different things but now i know a little bit more about life and i'm going to start doing session zeros for my relationships <laughs> going forward <laughs> this was great this thanks so much for having me you guys yeah. yeah well how can folks find out about when uh, uh blackness and dragons is is going what more about you like uh, tell everyone your, yeah all the yeah social media <laughs> all your details. projects all right you can find me uh at lambertra that is spelled l-a-m-b-e-r-t-r-a-a it's just a riff on my last name because i'm not that creative <laughs> uh in that realm of things <laughs> Uh, but that's my handle on all social media. Uh, I own that web domain too. So you can just go to my website that I don't ever update uh, and <laughs> find me in other places there. Blackness and Dragons happens um, almost every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. on Q Times Twitch. Um, or you can find the video on demand on the Q Times YouTube. Um, and if we're not playing, it's probably because I just needed a month off to write some new stuff for us to do. <laughs> Nice. But if you're not playing, you're still thinking yeah. about playing. You're there in spirit. Yes. Oh, always. Uh, and I am also in a, another campaign that I will shamelessly plug. Nice. It's called Say a Prayer for California. And that happens at Exquisite Corpse Presents. Uh, my player, DK, gets to DM me in that game. And so they get a taste of their own shenanigans. It's nice. a great time. <laughs> That's great. So you have a, a, you're DMing and you also have a chance to flex that player muscle as well. Very you know, well I rounded. Think, uh, I think you got to be, you know, you mm-hmm. got to remind yourself what it's like to be in both positions so you don't make it torture for whoever you're playing with on the other end. I've sure. I've come more around to that, honestly. Like there was, there was certainly the last few years where I've been like, I just like being a DM. I want to be a DM. That's all I want to do. And now I'm starting to be like, you know what? Playing, it's like, it's very different. You don't, you don't have that. For me, at least, I don't have those, those nervous uh, things before a session if I'm a player. That's what I was going to say. I love being able to just like roll out of bed and grab my dice and sit down and, and not have to think about stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's very freeing sometimes. So that's why Shelly's going to be uh, dungeon mastering me pretty soon, right? Yeah. I don't know if, don't know if that's going to happen. Unless you can disguise yourself as an eight-year-old child. Then. Done. Bachelor-themed homebrew? <laughs> oh, now. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> well. The story Greg, wheels would you are do turning. That? As much as you hate <laughs> The Bachelor, would you play in a Bachelor-inspired Maybe. Brew? I'm going to give that a maybe. I bet I, I bet we could get Aaron. Mage hand passes that. out the roses? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> More like slapping each one of those people <laughs> across the face. With the, with, with the baby powder. I, I forgot to ask you, what does the baby powder do? What does that just make it worse? It's from a movie. It's just a joke from a... God, I can't even... I'm going to... I'm blinking on the name of the movie in two hours from now. I'm going to be sitting at my other computer. And like <laughs> I just be like, that was it. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's from a comedy movie uh, that a lot of people reference often. I feel like it was Cat Williams who did it. I don't remember. <laughs> well, that just seems funny now. Uh, yep. the, yeah. It makes it's sense. Just a, you know, it's just a goofy thing. And that's why I was like, no, this is funny. Go ahead and do this. <laughs> 
Well, I that's that's what makes you a good DM. And so screw that other person who said uh, you didn't have what it takes because you, <laughs> you proved clearly it. you do. You awesome. Do. Well, thank you so thank much you again, guys. Jordan, thank for being you. here. Yes, so nice to talk to you. I'm Such a lovely afternoon. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Give a little listen. Oh, oh, oh. So much it. awesomeness. I know. There is tons to learn from uh, Dungeons and & Dragons and uh, how to build communities and, and uh, the bridges that you can uh, build to different people and learning from all of them. It's yes. a far-ranging on a conversation we just had. And, and getting started and not mm-hmm. listening to people who say you can't be a dungeon master and how to just have your first session as a dungeon master be live-streamed. That's still just... <laughs> Blows the mind. Blows my mind. But also knowing it's it's not easy. There's definitely nervousness involved. I still do it uh, every single time. I get a little bit of the butterflies before uh, dungeon mastering or doing this podcast, perhaps. You you got to start somewhere, though. You just got to do. You got to fight through you gotta it. You got to do it. It is great. Uh, so check out all the stuff that she is doing. And check out everything that's going on in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. We had a few announcements around Monsters of the Multiverse, a book that you can get now in the World's Expansion gift set. Check that out at DungeonsAndDragons.com or follow along all of our announcements on social media, Wizards underscore D&D there on Twitter and Instagram. Like and smash that subscribe button on our YouTube channel as well as uh, sign up for a newsletter. All that stuff is in the show notes here. You can follow me if you want to. I don't know why. I'm not <laughs> that interesting. Want to? I don't do any of the cool things that our oh guests my God. do. Uh, but I Jeez. am at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. What about you? you follow me at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. Just, gosh, Greg. You are interesting. Oh, and thank people you. really like you. I, I do the self-deprecating thing sometimes. It, it, you know. I know. You're just feeling a little impostery today. I'm feeling a little <laughs> impostery today. Maybe it's the, the the seasonal effectiveness in Seattle because that certainly does hit around this time for me every year. Oh dear. So that's what it is. But I yep. try to fill it up with as many projects as our as our our guests do. So Look at those. Well, we got Star Trek. You like Star Trek? We could do a Star Trek podcast. Uh, it's on a re-engage. Listen to that. There or you go. We can, uh, we're making short films. We're doing all the fun, crazy stuff. We're doing, yeah. In addition to like working. Yeah. And you're making mac and cheese. and uh, Making some mac and right? cheese. Some so chicken that's soup. That's one, one of your, your staples for <laughs> the is. girls. It is. It is one of my staples for Grilled the girls. Grilled cheese. Yep. 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 Okay. Then make it happen. Uh, so speaking of our Drunky Tissues campaign... Now it is back, and our oh man, our heroes are still fighting doppelgangers. One of them, after a conversation back and forth uh, of guards, had come to deal with what was going on in the basement of this grocer, betrayed his partner that had, uh. they had said they had known for many years, stabbed the tiefling guard who falls down thunk, with a thud in his face. Right in front of yours, you are mewling and hissing and 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 uh, uh, not being very uh, heroic. I'll say <laughs> on the ground, wow. uh, and then all of a sudden, boom! This this uh, uh, tiefling body is face to face with you, and it looks as if uh, they are deceased, or at least unconscious. oh, unconscious at the very least. You're not sure at quick glance. So, what do you do? Are we an initiative? I mean, am I? Are we? 
We are an initiative, uh, but Samson used his free action to try to explain, and then the uh, doppelgangers used their action to attack. Um, uh, I guess we'll call it, it was like a sneak attack, and so that's why they were able to do so much damage so quickly. So it is now your turn in initiative. Okay. Okay. And this tiefling, or no, the guard that stabbed his friend is like right in front of me? Yeah, he's still standing. You two bodies are on the ground. There's also two doppelgangers who were fighting you that are not doing anything correct currently, but are within five feet of you and Daryl and Samson. Okay. Uh, I think I would like to cast my um, Hail of Thorns as a bonus action. All right. And then I'm going to have to do a ranged attack here because he's like right up in front of me, right? Yes, he's within five feet of you. I'll take my longbow? Can I use the longbow prone, that close? You're prone on the ground and you have manacles on. Oh, I do have my manacles on. Yeah. What's this? The firebolt. Can I do that? You just want to straight up attack this doppelganger? Yeah, well, I'll just do that. Okay. Uh, I think I can still do a firebolt. Yeah, you oh. can do, I, I'll say that you can do uh, that. It's a small somatic component. Uh, so you're going to try and, and fire directly at the guy? Go ahead. Yeah, crit. Are you serious? Swear to God. Nice. All right, so you're mewling, you're hissing. <laughs> Thump, this body falls, and you're just, and you shoot a firebolt. Point blank range up from underneath um, and get a crit. That's amazing. How much damage do you do? Um, I forgot how to do damage on a crit. It's just double the dice. Just double the maximum dice? So roll the, if you were going to roll oh. 1d8, you roll 2d8. Well, I was. it's 4d8 is the regular. Firebolt, I thought you were doing the cantrip or are you doing... Yes. It's a cantrip. But, oh, no, it says 2d8. Never mind. Where did I see four? 2D. I, no, 2D10. Sorry. Sweet. Roll it. I did. What'd you oh, get? 29. 29? Oh, I get it. It was doubling it for me. because Sweet. Uh, I don't have to do uh, that. All right. Well, I, I'm going to go with the rule of cool here. You shot him. You got a crit. The firebolt goes through uh, this human's skull. Uh, you know, you just see the fireball go underneath the chin, you know, like that cool. soft spot. It goes in yeah. there and it was unexpected. Uh, and you see it like burn and char throughout. Cool. And uh, he falls down unconscious now from the ground. Unconscious. And all of a sudden there's three bodies on the ground, including yours. Okay. But I'm not injured. I'm just. You're not injured. Manacles. You're just manacled on the ground. Look, can I do this cool move where I go like, hi and like arch my kitty back and like throw myself into the air and land on my feet yes you absolutely can okay that's amazing we'll all right that, so like, you do that you're up on your feet you still get your manacles on and then samson and daryl who have been like a little bit like what 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 bam boom they are immediately like ah, and they like yell and turn with their weapons and start to attack the other doppelgangers uh, so all of a sudden the three of you are like back to back to back fighting uh and and trying to it's like a little action sequence, right? You see the camera like going around all of your faces. You're just doing cool uh, attack moves. So, um, we'll end there, I think, though. Okay. Can I ask Samson a question really quickly? Yeah. So, you guys, yeah, again, you're doing that like back to back. Like, do you have a healing potion? In my Either pack. Of you. Oh, can I grab it? 
Uh, not this turn, but next turn you can. Okay. All right. Sweet. Thank you. All right. Well, I love the cinematic uh, uh, nature of what's going on now here in the basement. It's like a, a you know, a, a superhero movie with the fight choreography happening all around you. I love it. I love my fireball. I like that your fireball worked. Good stuff. Me too. High Thank five. You. <laughs>